Hello and welcome to episode 176 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Joining me as always is the beguiling League Freak. You can find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going very well. That was a really good one, and I think you nailed it. Beguiling. I, I just thought, it just came to my mind and went, you're, you're in a beguiling mood at the moment. I am. I've beguiled a lot of people lately. It's been great. Yes, and I'm sure they loved it too. Well, I hope they did, because I know I enjoyed it. <laughs> and let's be honest, that's all that matters. It's all, the only thing that matters. It's my enjoyment. That's exactly right. Um, speaking of your enjoyment, the footy was back this week. Yeah, we uh, we reviewed the first three games of the round in our previous podcast, which was pretty cool. And, you know, the last few games, uh, it was a mixed bag of, of results and... It was interesting that some of the results were, were really good for some teams. Some of them were really bad for some teams. And it was just a nice mix. And I really enjoyed I enjoyed the Saturday's football the most, I think. it was There was something about all of the games on Saturday I just enjoyed. Yeah, I didn't mind the, the Saturday games. Mm-hmm. Um, got to see Melbourne lose. Got to see the Dragons lose. Got to see the Tigers win. Um, that's a tick in every box. How can you not be happy with that? Pretty much, yeah. Well, how, how about we go through them step by step? Yeah, we can do that. Should, should we start with the? Uh, should we do every game or just the ones from Saturday? We'll do we'll do all of the games from Saturday. I okay. reckon because we've done the previous three. We did the fuck out of them. Alrighty, let's get into that. So, okay. we'll start with the Warriors versus Dragons. Uh, Warriors came away with an eighteen nil win. Mm. Wasn't the greatest game, but the Warriors came away with um, the best. Um, what was it? The best completion rate in NRL history. I think they only had two incomplete sets out of thirty or forty or something. It was ridiculously how good the handling was. Yeah, um, and it, it was the way that that like the game just kept on uh, building and building, and you're like, uh, they completed forty six out of forty eight sets. For a ninety-six percent completion rate, that's crazy. It really is. Um, um, yeah, the other stats for this game they were actually yeah. quite evenly matched. So the Warriors only made nine runs more, mm-hmm. uh, seventy meters more, about sixty post-contact meters more, one more line break, um, four less tackle breaks. Average set distance was six meters less than the Dragons. Uh, kick return meters was surprisingly down because usually when anything's got RTS in it, it's usually they dominate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so much of the stats are very, very evenly matched, and yet the Dragons were, let's be honest, they were dog shit. They really were, and the thing about the Warriors' performance, like uh, obviously the Dragons played them into that a little bit, but they were just steady. They just got through their sets. Uh, their kicking game wasn't even that great, but because they were getting through their sets, they were having good field position every time. And it was really methodical, and it was like the most unwarrior's performance you've ever seen in your life. And the problem for the Dragons was that their attack just offered absolutely nothing that really made the Warriors' defence, like, need to make decisions or even... Th- I mean, I feel as though they were maybe got close to worrying the Warriors, you know, in the whole game, in attack. There, there was just nothing they threw at them. And it was 
it was the same old game plan from the dragons they didn't have any spark um and they're know, very pedestrian they really were and you've got to wonder like and forget all of the that he's had years and years to coach this team and get his squad together. Like now the Dragons have basically had two off seasons to get things right or to at least change things up or do things better. And this is the performance they come out with. It was just rotten. Oh, look, I think every coach should be judged on their essentially their third season. Mm. The first season they're dealing with someone else's roster. Mm-hmm. Second season, there's a fair chance they've got their own roster, but they need a year to get everyone to gel and learn these game plans. Third year is when there's no excuses. Yeah. How long's McGregor been there for? Is this his sixth or seventh year? Uh, he started in 2014, so this would be his seventh season. And it's like the funny thing is, you look at his lineup, it's a really, really good lineup. There's yeah. a bunch of international players. There's a bunch of origin players, former origin pack. players. That pack. Yeah. There's not many teams in this comp that's got a better pack than what the Dragons have got. Yeah. And, and yet, like, you see the platform they can lay, and they, you can't get points out of the platform they lay. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and, like, you can see as individuals, they're doing jo- a job. But the game plan, I think, is just just off. And... Look, there's got to be a point where, and I think there are some teams you see it with, like the players know that the way they're playing the game isn't going to get them the results. And so they just decide to like, they they do what they've got to do, but that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's the start of a revolution by the players to get rid of the coach. Look, if we just keep playing this utter crap style of football, even though we hate it, Hopefully he might get the ass, and then we can get a coach that we prefer to have any. I remember it happening to the Panthers when they were uh, being coached by Matthew Elliott, and where they just did his game plan, and it was useless. And you know, but they went through with it. You know, the Tigers did the same thing with Jason Taylor. I uh, did they? Yeah, that's interesting. Especially Robbie Farrell, because he was just saying, you know what, if you, all you want me to do is pass off the deck mm. and do nothing else. Fine, I'll do that. And then one day he just said, you know what, I'm sick of this. Yeah. And decided to play his own game. And I think he scored a try from dummy half and set up two others. And he was just absolutely braining the opposition. <laughs> and I just knew right then, Robbie Farrell's going to be in the shit at halftime. And sure enough, I, I think he got dropped off two weeks later to the bench or some weird thing like that. But yeah, you, that's this is a start, I think, of a revolt by the players against the coach. There's yeah, no excuses and, for this coach anymore. That's just pathetic. It really is. And, I mean, the Warriors, they was they were steady is the way you describe them. I said that they might come out breathing fire. They didn't. They just had a really good, steady performance. And um, the Dragons just weren't there. They weren't really much of an opposition. Um, and they, it helped the Warriors do what they did. So... And the thing is, too, like, you think of all of the stuff that the Warriors went through, and then you look at those performances, the Dragons had to go up the highway. You know, it wasn't like they were the ones that had to go through all the crap the Warriors had to to get to that round. It was just a really disappointing performance. Dragons fans went off their heads. They're calling for McGregor to be sacked. Uh, I understand that. I don't know that the club can sack him. I don't think they can afford to sack him right now, but... Man, it's a it's a rotten position they're in as a club. It certainly is. But um, they've got themselves to blame. 
Yeah, true. Very true. Just doing some maths here. Mm-hmm. So we got here. Let me reveal something here. Okay. About three and a half percent of games since 2016. So we're talking a very low number. Has seen a team score zero points. Yeah. There's no excuses for not scoring points these days. Yeah. Even teams who are really, really average can still get on the board, like the Titans. Yeah. Like the Bulldogs. Yep. They can still get on the board. There's there's no excuses for this. The Dragons have zero reason to not be able to score points, especially when they're not even up against a team that's considered a top eight side. No, the I mean, this is a team that... they were fighting with last year for the, you know, to avoid the spoon with. Exactly. Uh, I I don't think anybody, if the Warriors did better than bottom three teams, I think everyone would be surprised by that. Yeah. Oh, it's, no, if, and I think this weekend, haven't, haven't the, uh, the Dragons got a, are they playing the Bulldogs this weekend? Uh, the following, yeah, let me have a look. Uh, yeah, they are. Yeah. Monday. Is that a Monday night game? Oh, yeah, it's a Monday mm. night game. Man, that's going to be... Can you imagine I, if the Bulldogs flog them? I, I put it to you. If if the Dragons don't come away with a 30-point win in that game, uh huh. I can't see McGregor lasting any more than six weeks. I think if the Dragons um, board had any balls, mm. they would have him gone within a month. If if they can't put on a good score against the dogs, I I would agree, but I don't know that they can pay him out. They're going to have to, otherwise they're going to end up just constantly losing. Even when the Tigers had no money, they kept sacking coaches so they found the one they wanted. Penrith did it. Yeah, at some point you just got to go. You know what? We have to take the financial hit if we want success on the field, and that's that's your ultimate money maker. Mm-hmm. You've got to get rid of the coach because there's no no reason why they should be playing that badly. Then again, right, it, say you're looking at this year and every team's probably going to lose money this year. Um, at the very least, this is like, it's unavoidable the financial hit that every team's going to take. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, say, they have a, a rip-roaring season from here on out and, and they say they sack McGregor, but they have a rip-roaring season here on out. Are they going to make any more money than if they have a terrible season? You know, and it'll obviously obviously affect them next year, but maybe next year they can eat a year or two of his salary once they've sacked him and have a new coach in place. I, I just don't know. If they can afford to sack him and they lose to the Bulldogs next weekend, I would say that he has to go immediately, quite honestly. Yeah. And if they you... smash, like if they get fucking smashed again, it, it, you know, I don't think he would fall on his own sword. Of course he and, wouldn't. And leave that money on the table, but they've at least got to have a meeting and say, look, Paul, it's not working. He's he's out of, out of trash. He's terrible. His record's not good at all. And the team is... It's just at a point where there needs to be a change because the, everything has changed except the coach. And well, this thing, I heard some of the people in the media talking about how they didn't think that 
the halves were a good mix. I'm going, how are you blaming the halves here? Yeah, you can't. Look, it, it, the one it, consistent thing involved with the Dragons' failures over the last years is the, is the stupid bloke who's coach. Yeah, and exactly. he's getting worse, not better. Yeah, and the the problems that they had before, say, Hunt got there, are still there. And, like, I've seen Hunt have some really good individual games for the Dragons. It's not like you watch Hunt and say, man, he's really dragging them down. Like, the whole team is terrible. The whole team's playing rotten. They are. Oh, no, he's he's just bad. They, they need to get rid of him big time. They really do. Um, Next game, Sharks versus the Tigers. And, look, I think if the Sharks hadn't have been in the news for all the wrong reasons in the week before this, they probably would have come out with a win here. Mm-hmm. But um, as much as the coach will never admit that they were distracted, I think they were. Um. The Tigers won 28-16. The Sharks' defence at times, like the try that David Nofaluma scored in the second half, mm. is just a line drop out. He's picked the ball up out wide. He's just done, you know, what every winger does when they get the ball and they hit the back. They just do a bit of a shuffle towards the line. Mm. And then he just walks straight through. I think it was Josh Dugan and Chad Townsend. Now, Townsend came off not long after that and it was revealed later that he had a, a hamstring complaint. Yeah. There's no excuse there for, for Dugan, though. You're playing in the centres. You've got to be a better defender than that. And both of them just let him go through. And you can see in the re- replay, when you watch the head-on, Wade Graham's coming across. He's he's just one one player away, too far away, to be able to be involved in the tackle. Yeah. And he's looking at his two teammates out there, and he is fucking ropeable. Yeah. You can see it on his face. He hasn't said anything. You can see it on his face. He's staring at him like... If I could bash you two right now, I would. <laughs> and this, this was a weird one because early on the Sharks looked pretty good and it was mostly because of Wade Graham. Wade Graham was on fire early on in this game. Um, you know, I didn't get to see like probably the last 60 minutes of this match. So I, I didn't see the Tigers really coming back into the match, unfortunately. I just yeah. saw the best of the Sharks. But uh, I did see when, when Townsend went off, and that's a very big loss for them because now they don't have the depth. I tell you what I did see was uh, Sean Johnson throwing, like, no-look cutout balls to the fucking touch judge and then blowing up at his outside backs because none of them caught the ball. And it's like, dude, you're throwing these balls out in front of these guys, and they're obviously cutout balls, but who are they to? Like, he was absolutely terrible. And he, I mean, if I was the Sharks, I'd be sitting down this week and saying, man, we can't go ahead with him. Let's try and offer him to a Super League club because they have they got him last year and his performances were very up and down. But towards the end of last year, his performances were down, down, down. You know, it was like that bloody advert, the prices are down. Um, I know it's for a competitor, so I won't say their name, Andrew, because, you know, we stick solid here. Um, but, yeah, it, it's he's terrible. He's trash. I'd get rid of him as soon as possible. I put it to you. This weekend, it's looking like the Sharks are going to have a half combination of Matt Moylan and Sean Johnson. <laughs> fuck it. Fuck. Do you think there's ever been a more overrated an exorbitantly overpriced halves combination in NRL history. Mm, that's a difficult one. Um, 
no one jumps out at me. Hey, um, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't think of anybody. See, I was, I'm trying to think of the highest paid halves combinations. Um, like at one point you had Barrett next to Mundine, but they were bloody good players at the time, you know. Yeah, and especially Mundine. Yeah, yeah. People often forget how good Mundine was because they just focus on the, the dumb shit he says. Yeah. Great player, though. Um, Man, Moyle, the other thing was when Moylan come on, he added nothing. <laughs> he really did. Like, he did, seriously, I was watching him thinking, at this point he's just a dude that hangs around footballers. Yeah, I, I saw him come on and I was just looking at it going, I'm so glad the Tigers didn't get him. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon. Look at him. Look at him. And he's on big money. Yeah. Um, I heard a few Sharks fans saying, why couldn't he be the one that was injecting drugs into himself? <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting for him to do another injury, you know, do his ankle or something. Well, um, I, I thought he might have. Might have done his ACL, tying up his shoelaces or something. <laughs> it's, uh, what yeah, did you What did you think of your Tigers? Because you must have been pretty happy with that win. It was It was a pretty good performance. Um, tell you what, Harry Grant adds a lot to that side. Yeah. Um, the Tigers should be doing everything they can to get him out of that contract at the Storm and sign him up for thirty five years. <laughs> Uh, they need to give him whatever he wants because, and it's only one game, but he was yeah. playing within himself. He wasn't trying to push push plays too much. Um, and he's just clicked into that side so well. Good support player as well from dummy half. Um, we've not even seen 20% of what that kid's capable of, and he already, he already looks like gold. Um, Benji is... It, it's odd to see someone who is... So amazing to watch, but frustrating as well as a youngster. Because yeah. you'd see Paul just plays out of his ass that you knew no one will ever replicate, ever. Yeah. And then you'd see him try and do it again and just be having an absolute dog of a time. Passes going to bloody row F and kicks going out on the full and everything just going to crap. But as he's got older, especially the last two and a half seasons, he's... He's turning to a bloody, you know, like like a near immortal type player. I'm not saying he's an immortal, but you know, a near immortal type player where he comes out on the field and you just know you're going to get a consistently solid performance out of him every week. He's become reliable. He's become a game winner, like on a regular basis. It's just every now and then you think this is just weird to watch how he's getting better as he gets older. Yeah, there's there's something special about when you see a player. And their athleticism is no longer what it used to be. But their knowledge and their experience takes them beyond that, you know, and, and they could, and, and that's what the the truly greats can do. Like, so you look at someone like an Alan Langer at the end of his career, you know, he wasn't nearly anywhere near the player he used to be, but just his knowledge of the game, knowing the timing and the, the way that he could influence the the performance of his teammates by doing things on the ball and off the ball, um, making sure people were in the right position, you know, seeing things in the opposition that most people aren't seeing. That's when I feel as though you get 
the, a great player truly masters the game, even when that athleticism is gone. And that's something really special to see. Yes. Now, the other thing that was really good about this game is the Tigers actually made more run meters than the Sharks. And I bring this up because more often than not, whenever the Tigers play a game, they get dominated in meters. Yeah. And the Sharks, doesn't matter what you think of them, they've always had, especially in the last, you know, almost last decade, bloody good forward packs. Mm-hmm. And even though Fafita was out, they still had a very good forward pack. And you could probably argue they had easily the better forward pack out of these two sides. And the yeah, Tigers but, put almost 200 metres on them. And I, I was impressed with the Tigers forwards, even when the, the Sharks were playing pretty well early on. Um, you know, they that's one of the problems that the Tigers have had. They've just been, they've been easily bent back, you know. Mm. Um, and in this game, they were really putting it to the the Sharks forward pack early on, even though the Sharks had the better of the running. So that did surprise me a little bit. And it's a good it's a good sign to see because this is a team that hasn't had a good forward pack, like a a good balanced forward pack, going back to when they won a premiership. And even yeah. then, it wasn't like it was a good balanced forward pack. It was a smaller mobile forward pack, you know. That's right. Now they've got essentially for non Tigers fans a bunch of unknowns in there. But um, Thomas McCauley is a prop. That kid's an absolute beast. Um, and Luke Garner uh, on the edge out there in the second row, he runs some sweet lines, and he's got to try off one of those good lines. Um, just strong, committed, not fearing the contact. Um, you don't see a lot of back rowers who are like that anymore. I mean, players like Curtis Sirenen is like that now, but it took him several years to get to that point. Um, so yeah. they've got some good young blokes that have come through, and it's good to see that um, Madge has decided to give those guys, you know, a red-hot crack for for two seasons before thinking about whether he should replace any of them or not. And some of them are starting to really come good now, which is bloody good to see. It really is. And, you know, how good is it to see a Tigers forward pack where you're watching them and you're like, oh, he's a big dude. Oh, he looks yeah. strong. Oh, he looks athletic. <laughs> yeah. He looks like a prop. Yeah. He Wow. He isn't barrel-chested. He isn't short. <laughs> He isn't he wasn't, slow as fuck. He wasn't playing Firebait last week. Yeah. He isn't a, he isn't a former center. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Sheens. So, yeah, it was it was a pretty good one. Um, other bad news for the Sharks, 54 missed tackles. That's terrible. That's, That's really unforgivable. Terrible. Especially for a team that prides itself on its defense and always has done. That's disgraceful. Yeah. And... You know, I, I guess the thing that when I was watching this Sharks game, I was thinking about how they have that DNA in them. And eventually that DNA, that toughness, that pride and stuff, and we've seen it with the North Queensland Cowboys in recent years, where at one point, remember that season they lost uh, Scott and Thurston, and everyone was like, well, write them off. But that winning DNA was still in most of the players that were still there. Yeah, and it got them to a grand final. Um, the DNA, it's still there in the Sharks. At times you can see it, but it's man, it's fading, and they need to do everything they can to hold on to it because once it's gone, it's gone, and that's when you got to rebuild a an entire culture at a club once something like that's gone. And when I was watching this game, there was just this feeling of like you can see they've still got that within them, but they haven't. They maybe don't have the personnel 
to do what they want to do. And, and look, they've got they've had to change a lot of their players because there's been retirements, players moving on, players getting suspended for drug use. Um, and eventually it just is too much of a toll to take, you know. And that's what I liked about Wade Graham's performance in this game because you could see it was still in him. He was still pushing them to try and get this victory, but it was just beyond them. Yeah, oh, Wade Graham's world-class. He, the thing, he doesn't have much support out there anymore. No. He needs a good link man, a, you know, a good half to link him to the middle of the field, and he doesn't have that. Um, and that's that's been a problem. Like, he had that with Maloney there. Mm-hmm. Um, he just doesn't have it anymore, and that's the problem. So now he's got to be a a five eight second row, mm. and that's hard work to do when you're sitting as wide as he has to sometimes to try and link up with his outside backs. Um, I don't know how they fix that, other than putting him back at five eight. But then you just you lose that that impact he has on the edges. Yeah, and like with. I mean, Townsend isn't exactly the most dangerous halfback. Uh, Sean Johnson on his day can be really dangerous, but he's, I mean, when was his last yeah. day? You know, well, this time last year. Um, at Ten, some Ten point, Ten's he's not, just going to Townsend would be a pretty good, um, a pretty good link man, but the problem is he, he tends to find himself playing on the other side of the field all the time. But the thing is, though, like, look, Townsend to me feels like. He's a solid halfback, obviously, right? But he feels like, and he would normally be perfect alongside Sean Johnson. If Sean Johnson was playing like Sean Johnson used to play. But, like, Townsend isn't the sort of halfback that's going to drag this team to where they need to be. You know, he's just a solid first-grade halfback. If you get the right players around him, he can win you a premiership. But he's not going to drag everyone else to a premiership, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, you and need so some X-factors around him. Yeah, and so other players, like, you don't have to worry so much about him as a, as an attacking option. These days, you don't have to worry about Johnson at all. He's normally going to turn the ball over for you. It's great. Eventually, teams are just going to start focusing on Wade Graham, and they're going to start shutting down this Sharks attack. Yeah. Because Sherry's not there to be an X-factor anymore either. Like there's last year, at least they could throw it to Sherry and he could make something out of nothing because he was so big, fast and strong, funnily enough. Yeah. So, well, they yeah. do have an X factor in William Kennedy at fullback, but he's not being used in that way. He's just been used to do kick returns at this stage. They're pretty much yeah. telling him, be Valentine Holmes before Valentine Holmes became a test player. Yeah. And kick returns, that was it. And that kid can be so much more. He, yeah, and I guess the thing is, like, you got to look who he's running off the back off too. Like, Sean Johnson ain't throwing him good passes. No, no, but all he's got to do is hang around Wade Graham. Get out on that left edge there, hang around on the inside of Wade Graham there, and he can be that link man back with the halves in the middle. But at the moment, when the attack's on, hmm. he just sits around the back waiting to get told what to do. Yeah, And we saw it with Bronson Cherry last year. At the start of the year, he would hang around waiting for someone to give him the ball. And by the end of the year, he went, you know what, I need to go and look for it. And when yeah. he started going looking for it, that's when he started getting dangerous. And William Kennedy's in the same situation. He needs to go looking for that ball and try and be that link man between Wade Graham and the halves and the middle of the field. And I think if he started roving around in that area there on the inside, Wade Graham's smart enough and good enough to know how to put him to use. 
And at the moment, Wade Graham goes out there and all he's got is options on his left, which is pass if he's got room or kick. Mm. And because there's nothing no, nothing available on the inside, he's becoming easy to easy to defend because of that. So he's going to run it yeah. more often now. Yeah, and like defences are just going to keep pushing him wide, pushing him wide exactly. and giving him little space to work with. Um, I, I think the thing for Kennedy, it, it's just a experience thing too. It is. Like as you say, you've got to... Like there's very few uh, young fullbacks that come into the game and boom they they know to be you know sniffing around for the ball all the time. Um, as an individual, he's, a, he's he looks like a pretty handy player though, so it's a good start. Yeah, he's got plenty of toe on him too. Yeah, he does. He does. Like so, if you give him, you know, when he's running the football back, you give him too much space and he's going to make you pay. But yeah. he needs to make teams pay when they've got the ball. Exactly you know, right. They're in their sets. Uh, next game was Melbourne losing again to the Raiders at Amy Park. This is the third time in a row this has happened. And it's only the fourth time a team has won three straight games against the Storm in Melbourne. Yeah, and it, this, I mean, they they were just the better team. They, was, they were flat out the better team. And I thought the Storm would probably win this game just based on the fact that their record to start seasons is fantastic. And this was like a new start for the season. But the, the Raiders are just a far better team, and I think that the Storm played pretty well. Um, but, you know, they just couldn't match the Raiders. And bloody uh, our man, our man, he played well. The slinger. Yeah, you know what? As much as we do have a bit of a track record of uh, hanging shit on English players, George Williams, mate, I had him down after watching this game, man of the match. And you know what it comes down to? There were two great tackles he made. One of them, everyone saw. He smashed one of the, the Storm players. Mm-hmm. But two tackles later, he put on another good hit on Cameron Smith, which shut him down when he was trying to rove out a dummy half. Yeah. Um, I I never saw him defend like that when I was watching him play in, this, in the Super League. So it's good to see that he's got that on him. But uh, his attack was unbelievable. Yeah. And dare I say it, he's improved his Canberra side to a point where I think Canberra out Melbourne the Storm. They just well, played I, the Storm's game better than them. Well, I tell you what, I mean, you think last year they had Aiden Caesar as their halfback. And it's not hard to upgrade from him, right? He's a reserve grader. George Williams, I didn't think was a good good option. I think he has put on weight over the last uh, over this lockdown. He just looks bigger to me than he he did. Yeah. And it's it's good weight. It's around the shoulders. Yeah, yeah. It's he, he hasn't put on fat weight. I'm talking like this. It, he looks like he hit the gym hard. Yeah. Um, the pass that he put on out wide. There was a couple of passes he put on out wide actually, which were like, oh man, that's some pretty cool stuff. Peachy. Um, sorry, go on. Peachy passes. They were just sweet. Yeah, yeah. And he, the combination with him and Jack White, because Jack White is such a, a monster. When he gets the ball in his hand, like, I mean, he, he's incredible as a ball runner now, as a 5'8". Um, the combination between the two of them, because they're physically going to be difficult to deal with, behind this pack that they've got, which is absolutely outstanding, this pack. Um, man, it's a, they're, they're really looking good this year. Mm. I, I do have some, uh, some inside, inside knowledge. Yeah. on the training regime that George Williams was doing to get that 
upper body muscle on him. And what is that? Just lifted up his, you know. His giant hog. <laughs> He's just got, got this fucking weapon, right? <laughs> Absolute man beast. So, someone said to him, like, what, what's your best weapon? And he just gives you a wink. He's like, you know. And then thud. Yeah. <laughs> he is, uh... I, I just think that, like, in 20 years from now, Canberra is going to have a really good footy team. There's going to be a lot, and, and they're all going to have Weems as a surname. Yep. And yeah. they're all going to have these massive snozzers. <laughs> but it's all right. Oh, no, he was he was fantastic. He really was. Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> the, uh... Now, I was going to say, the funny thing about this game, too, stats-wise, mm-hmm. is Melbourne dominated all the stats, except for completion rate. Like, they had 10% more possession, 55 to 45%. They had the ball for six, time, six minutes more. Um, completion rate was atrocious for the Storm, 27 from 40, 68%. But more runs... Over 100 more metres, more contact meters, post-contact metres, uh, more tackle breaks, 10 of those more. Set distance was more. Kick return metres was more. How do you be better in every statistical department and lose by such a big margin? Because well, especially you when you're the Melbourne Storm. Because you don't have a halfback. They de- the- Jerome Hughes isn't a halfback. They don't have a halfback. I'm watching them play this game, and there was a bunch of times where you know, they they would be attacking the line and there's no halfback. Because Jerome Hughes is simply... I don't, he's a good utility player. Yeah. He played great at fullback last year. He's not a halfback. And I don't understand why Craig Bellamy thinks that he can be the one dude that can get by without a halfback. It just is shocking to me. Like, if you put a, a just a capable halfback into this team, like one of the youngsters from Penrith wow. or something... I've been like, saying it for two years. You should have just had Cameron Smith at seven hmm. and put Brandon Smith at nine. That way you get both those players in the side. And Cameron Smith doesn't have to do the defensive work anymore. He can still do the same stuff in attack. I can't see how that makes that side worse than what they've got at the moment. Yeah, exactly. It It's it's very strange to me. Because like, I was watching for Smith to play a lot at halfback in this game. And it it just didn't happen. He's he's basically exclusively playing at, at hooker. Yeah. Um and Brandon Smith is a utility off the bench. He, he's he's been wasted, you know, at this point. Yeah, he's um, basically he's been, been used as a as a bloody tackling machine at the moment. That's about it. Yeah, like I mean that when he comes on, he's basically playing like a prop in the middle yeah. of the field. It's kind of crazy. But um yeah, they. I just don't understand why they've persisted with this. And this has been a very different team ever since they lost. Um, what's his name to to Brisbane? Uh, Croft. Ever Croft, since yeah. they dropped him last year, the, the the Storm have just looked like crap. Yeah, they've they've lost a lot of spark. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see how they go from here on in. I think they may struggle against the these top sides, but we'll still continue to clean up. You know the eight other sides in the comp. They won't be blitzing them, but they'll they'll be able to beat them. Yeah, I th- I think that they will uh look the the Canberra Raiders, um you know, the Roosters, those very elite teams, and they're really the two that stand out for me at the moment. Um they're the ones they're gonna not be able to beat. 
but I think that the the next group, probably the next six, they'll be able to mix it with them just because they are still they still do a lot of things right. Yeah. But when you've got to have that real cutting edge, and that's where you've got to have a good halfback, that's where it's going to fail for them. Exactly. Um, now we get into today's games, the Sunday games. And mm-hmm. the undefeated Penrith took on the undefeated Knights, and they both decided that they'd both remain undefeated at the end of the game. Yeah, it was a, a nice one. <laughs> it was a 14-all um, draw. Um, a lot of people backed Newcastle to win this, purely because Penrith were without... Um, Nathan, Nathan without yeah. Nathan TikTok Cleary. Yep. Um, so when Penrith got out to was it 14, 14 nil lead or fourteen to six lead, everyone's going, oh maybe Penrith's going to win this. Well, and then the Knights know, very slowly drag themselves back into the game to to level it up with well, about you know, twelve minutes to go. Is, so. the, the the real story was this: in the first ten minutes of the game, they lost mutual Pierce. Like mm-hmm. you know, it was maybe three minutes in, something ridiculous like that. He got blasted. He got his head in the wrong place. And then I lost another couple of players. Glasby went off at one point with a HIA as well. Connor Watson. Uh, yeah, he, he did a um, syndesmosis, I believe it's called, mm-hmm. my ankle sprain. Um, and, and so the first 10 minutes, the Knights were just completely devastated. They'd lost all their key players. And then on top of that, Penrith had all of the possession they had all a field position, and they basically did for the entire match. And I was worried about ten minutes into going into halftime. I'm like, man, we haven't got enough points, you know. And just going into halftime, um, they scored. The Knights scored under the sticks. I think it was uh, what, what's his name, the dude that played um, Jacob Safidi. Yeah, yeah, that shouldn't have played for New South Wales last year. <laughs> <laughs> he because uh, Matthew John said he should have, so all of a sudden he was playing. Yeah. Um, and when he crossed, I was like, this is really not good. And it turned out to be not good because they just offered nothing in attack. And I, I actually put a poll on uh, on Twitter and it was like, what's the Panthers' best attacking play? Was it a one-hit, was it a, a one-out hit-out, a two-hit, a two-out hit-out, or a, um, or a cross-field kick? Because that's their entire playlist for the game. That That's Ivan Cleary. He did the same thing at the Tigers. And it's not good enough. No. Nah. Especially when you don't have a... If he had the Dragons forward pack with Kikau in there, you'd be able to do it. But... Well, and the thing was, like, we had a couple of young halves, and that's fine. I thought they played all right. No, they were like, pretty solid. Yeah. like I Look, Mansour was fantastic. To O was fantastic. Um... They were pretty good around, across the park, but when you're playing that style of play, NRL teams will tackle it all day. Yeah. And, you know, and the Knights did. Um, seven missed field goals in, in Golden Point. Oh, That was bad. It, that, and this is, again, the reason why Golden Point's a bit stupid. I like it. That's all, no, but this is all teams do, is they just turn up and they just have cracks at field goals and missed it. Needs to be some sort of incentive to go for a bit more than just a field goal every time. See, I, I didn't mind it. I thought it was exciting. Yeah, it should do for Golden Point. What? I've thought about this. Okay. It's duck, not a duck, Matthew goose. John's idea. Okay, that's good. It's not Duck Duck Goose. I'll leave oh. that one for you. Okay. Instead of having the six tackle rule, mm-hmm. ten. Ten tackle? Ooh, yeah. oh, man. Ah. Oh. 
Uh, I'm trying to find a reason. Like, uh, for, like, first of all, let's get this out of the way. It's a dumb idea, right? Of course it is. Okay. But <laughs> in saying that, I'm trying to find a reason why it wouldn't fix Golden Point immediately. And it fucking would. Of course it would. <laughs> because, ah, God damn it! you just fixed Golden Point. You son of a bitch. Because, see, this is the thing. The solution to most of the problems in rugby league are usually dumb ones. Yeah. Because no one's thinking of it. Everyone's thinking of the complicated ways of fixing things. Yeah. You've got to go dumb every time. Sure, 10 might be too many, but more tackles than six. Maybe an eight-tackle set. Because that way you're going to pretty much make sure you get into the opposition half and get maybe two plays in the attacking zone. What if... How about instead of... How about this? How about this? Because we're trying to we're trying to take the dumb factor out, but keep the 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 uh, oh my god factor in, right? Mm. So what if if you go for a field goal and you miss it and it goes dead? Um, Get the it, ball back. Ta- you, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Two balls on the field. No, <laughs> it's the other team gets to tap the ball, but from the thirty meter line. That could work, and a seven tackle set. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. What if they had to tap it from the 40-meter line? Because then no one's going for field goals. See, that's the thing. Because what you want to do there is make teams go, okay, we want to try and win this game, but we need to know that there is a massive risk if this play doesn't work. Yeah. So I don't mind that one either. Because okay. if you miss that field goal attempt or if it goes dead, actually, you should just have it. If you miss the field goal, it's a 40-meter tap restart. Because there's no way that there'd be like, I'm trying to think of the players in the competition right now who'd be like, hey, it's me. I'm taking this fucking field goal. I think Cameron Smith would do it and you would let him do it. And even if they lost the game, you've got to sit back and say, well, dude, it's Cameron Smith. Of course, yeah. you've got to let him take that field goal. He's kicked them and stuff like that. Um, whereas it's if it's someone like, say, for instance, a Mitchell Pierce. <laughs> Run up to Mitchell and saying, hey, Mitch, let's just fucking pass the field goal, man. Let's just go for something else. Yeah, just just kick for touch. We'll take the scrum. We'll take yeah, our chances yeah. down there. Yeah. yeah. I think that would fix it. And what if on the on the 40-meter line, they they paint a, like a, a little like gold circle? So that's the, that's the golden point tapping circle. Sure, why not? Because I'd like that. That'd yeah. be nice. The golden ring. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, hang on. Hang on a second. We call it the barb zone. You got to tap the ball. If you if they kick a, a, a kick for a field goal, they miss it. You get to take a 40-meter tap from the barb zone because it's a golden ring. <laughs> that, that's... I'm sold. Uh, it, Trademark that shit and send it to the NRL. We've got a need. We're going to need our direct line to Peter Volandis. So get Buzz Rothfield on the phone right now. <laughs> exactly, Buzz. We've got an idea. <laughs> now the other game was uh, the last game of the round. Manly beat mm-hmm. the Dogs thirty-two to six. And when I say Manly, I actually mean Tom Trebojevic because he scored two tries and set up three others. Um, he was the difference in this game. I don't care what anyone says. You take Trondrovich out of that game, and that game was, you know, it was basically a borathon. 
let's Tom face it, was it, phenomenal. All of the things that were good about this game originated in Mrs. Draboyevich's womb. I agree. Think the, about that. The one play that stood out, stood out for me was when Jake set up a try for Tom, Tom's second try. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake got the ball on the right-hand side. He's he's going to the line, but you could tell he's going on a bit of an angle, so he's going to be passing the ball. Yeah. Tom's behind him on his left shoulder, and as he's starting to sweep around, a decoy runner goes through on Jake's right, and Jake just pops this delicate little ball up. Doesn't look. He just knows Tom's going to be there. And Tom just runs on it, goes straight through the gap and scores a try. You look at it and go, yeah, that's a good try. You watch it again and actually realize how good that whole play was. Mm-hmm. Just fucking glorious to watch. I loved it. I sat there and I replayed and just watched it time and again. I went, I don't know why. It just looks so fucking brilliant. I loved it. Just that sleight of hand, yeah. Yeah. I tell you, the other outstanding thing about this game was hearing uh, Steve Roach try and say Trebojevic in uh, about 15 different ways. He, he well, as I, mentioned, the, as I mentioned on Twitter, he was using the Buzz Rothfield uh, pronunciation version. Him how, how's that to, sound? Trebojevic. 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 Yeah, there's no R in there, and there's yeah. a D for some reason. Time and again, hang on. Didn't, didn't block a work at the... At Manly for quite some time in defence. I think he might have, yeah. Yeah. Surely he should know how these kids you know, pronounce their surnames by now. See, the good thing about the Seagulls is there's another young Trebojevic on the way. Trebojevic. Trebojevic. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that once uh, they get uh, that third Jokic in there, it'll be a... <laughs> it'll be a Habenabinic threesome. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, poor old blocker. But yeah, great. Yeah, um, Ruben Garrick had a horror night with a boot, kicking two from seven. This game could have been, you know, forty-two to six. Yeah. Um, Bulldogs were they? Let's be honest, they were crap. Um, their attack threatened no one. Mm-hmm. And the one try they scored was in the was ten minutes to go when uh, Lachlan Lewis put in an absolute garbage little grubber mm-hmm. but somehow worked and Jake Averillo came flying in from the uh, from the left hand side and scooped it up and ran away and scored they didn't look threatening at all and there was this period in the middle way of the first half where both teams were just turning the ball over doing one outs yeah there's just one after the after the other and going what the hell are you doing see the thing about the dogs they're there's just a talent gap, and it doesn't matter really what they can do. I mean, you can coach them and say, look, we're going to put in all the effort and things like that. But if you've got that talent gap there, there's really nothing you can do other than put in a, like a plucky performance. And when you're not putting in that performance, you're just getting beaten like this, where it's like they were never in the contest. And I, I, I just think that it's something the Bulldogs are still getting over. They're getting over the... There's Hasler, Raylan, Castle period still, yeah. and I think they're going to be getting over it for a, a couple of years yet. Yeah, at this stage, I'm thinking probably another two years, but it's some of these numbers, like Manly made over 500 metres more. Well, 670 post-contact metres, which is... Oh, my know, God. 200 post-contact metres more, eight line breaks to nil, 43 tackle breaks to 11. 
kick return meters, Manly, 256, Bulldogs, 92. Well, the numbers, are, it's just, it's insane. Yeah. And I just don't know what you say to Bulldogs fans other than, like, you know, you just got to go through it for the next couple of years because they should turn it around, but... But There's that's the thing is that some of those like numbers it. are suggesting that it's not just a lack of talent, but sometimes, sometimes there's just a lack of application by players as well. Well, you look at DWZ. I mean, you should be getting more, um, you know, kick return meters out of him. Absolutely. You know, he's. I mean, this is a guy that in a test match was running the ball back like a monster. And I can understand if he doesn't want to, you know, throw 100, 110% in well, the Bulldogs are getting smashed and he's playing alongside mostly reserve-grade talent. But, man, you, you've got to get more than 100 metres. I mean, this is a fucking NRL. Every single fullback should be, apart from Clint Gutherson, should be able to get 100 <laughs> metres running the ball back. Oh, exactly. Exactly. It was nowhere near good enough from too many of the Bulldogs players. And I think because they've got so many players in there who are, you know, not not out and out, world-class players, mm-hmm. but they put on a lot of strong performances. A lot of people in the media sort of let them off a bit going, oh, you know, they're gallant and they're valiant. They put up a good fight considering their squad. Um, that talk needs to stop because that's just justifying some of these bad performances. Yeah, and look, I think that, you, you know, I, I don't give me the, the plucky performance where you lose 14 games in a year or something like that. I would much rather the lazy superstar that leads you to 14 <laughs> wins, you know. Um, there is a point where it's just not enough. And I guess, I mean, I, I look at someone like Lewis because I think Lewis could be a really good player, but he could also get caught in that trap of accepting failures. Yeah, I think what Lewis does need is a steady hand around him. Yeah. Definitely. Like he would actually perform really well with Chad Townsend behind him, beside him. Yeah. Because Lewis does have that X factor about him, but he needs that steady hand to take take control of the game, you know, basic stuff, kicking game and, you know, running basic plays and stuff like that, like Chad Townsend can do. Mm-hmm. He's going to be paired up with um, another sort of young bloke with not a huge amount of experience in Jack Cogger. Because we saw the best of Lock and Lewis when he's playing alongside Kieran Foran. Yeah. And that's, I think that's going to be the big problem there. I don't have much of a problem with um, Marshall King at Hooker. I think he's he's pretty solid there. Mm-hmm. Um, and DW's there. He's, he does need to be better. There's he no does. doubt about it. But you know he's got that. You know that they know they don't have to worry about the fullback position. Like, the, you know, they've got him for a number of years now. They don't have to think about getting another fullback. Um there's just so many positions they do need talent in. and you no, know. I was watching this game thinking they need to put Hopper Whitey back at fullback. Oh, really? DWZ can go on the wing somewhere. Maybe that could be the kick in the pants. DWZ needs to realise that if you want to be the fullback, then you've got to, you've got to be better than Hopper Whitey at it. Because Hopper Whitey was very good there. See, the um, thing about DWZ, I mean, even when we had him at Penrith... Like, uh, he wasn't that bad at Penrith. Um, he would put in... Even his worst performance was a pretty solid performance, you know? 
But then he would also have these games where it was like, man, if he does this every week, opposition teams are fucked because they're not mm. going to be able to stop him. Um, and we've really missed him since we, we got rid of him. Like, we haven't had an attack and presence at the back at fullback at Penrith since we got rid of him. But he, he needs to bring that consistency into his game. And if he does that, he's he's going to be like one of those monsters at the back that you only think of like a an Inglis or a RTS are really the only fullbacks I can think of where you're like, oh, my God, this guy at the back's a, a fucking giant monster that we've got to deal with for 80 minutes. He's really the only other player that can put himself in that category. But you've got to do it consistent, consistently. And um, you can't have those games with, like... 92 kick return metres for the whole team is ridiculous. He should be getting nearly that and a half. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, and the thing is, he hasn't really had a standout game yet for the Dogs. No. And that's... He, he really needs to, to lift that a lot. Yeah, because he got, he got what he wanted. He's a fullback. He got that un... You know, that, that, that fullback role is his. No one's yeah. taken it off him. Now show us why he wanted to be the fullback, and look. You look at it from. I look at it from a Panthers point of view because I was pissed when they got rid of him. Really fucking angry. Um, you can't be upset looking at the performances he's put in as a Panthers fan because he was on pretty big money, um, and the performances he's put in since he left the Panthers are just not that good. Fully agree. Yeah, I've got one last stat. Okay. Which goes against the trend of some of my stats. I think I know what this stat's going to be. Well, this is actually a positive one about Mitchell Moses. I know what this stat's going to be. Well, maybe. Maybe. I've got a few about Mitchell Moses with his stats here, the positive one. Okay, so this year, Mitchell Moses has scored the same amount of points as the Melbourne Storm. Mm-hmm. He's also scored more points than the Warriors... He scored more points than the Bulldogs. He scored more points than the Titans. He's actually scored twice as many points as the Titans. Wow, that's crazy, eh? That's after three games. He's having a good year. He's having a good year. I can't can't put it past him. Um, Do you love him now? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I can recognise when he's playing well, and I'll I'll, I'll uh, let it, let people know that I recognise he's playing good footy. Okay, just say he wins the Dahlia medal. Mm-hmm. And look, he's, he's probably on track right now. Very early, but he's on track. Say so he wins the Dahlia medal, takes takes the uh, Parramatta Eels to a grand final victory. Clive Churchill medal, right? Mm-hmm. Pulls on his first Blues jersey, number seven. Starts kicking field goals and doing all those things that, you know, Mitchell Pearce can't do. <laughs> 3-0, you know. Uh, and then Australia needs a halfback, and so in comes, you know, Mitchell Moses, halfback, number seven, beat Tonga, or New Zealand, or whoever the fuck we end up playing the one-off game against. Can I can I change that last bit to something more impressive? Okay. Because he lines up for Lebanon. Yeah. And leads Lebanon to their first ever victory over Australia in a test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll go with that. Would you then love him? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're consistent. Exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll sing his praises when he's done something good. Yeah. I still won't like him. 
That's fair enough. I'm trying to think of a play that I just didn't like. <laughs> and you know what? There's not many. I nah. didn't like Andrew G. That's a random one. I know. I did. I fucking didn't like Peter Ryan. I thought he was a dirty player. Um, I didn't like Stephen Kearney as a player. I thought he was a dirty player. Um, and of course, anyone that's a pom. <laughs> of course. That's, I can justify that. Yeah. If you haven't already. Well, I spent 20 years doing that shit, haven't I? I mean, exactly by now. Right. By now, if you don't understand what I think of Pommy Rugby League players and people and... Except yeah, for best, George Williams. Uh, except for George... The immortal George yeah. Williams. Hell yeah. How funny is it that, like, plays plays two all right games and one really good game in the NRL, and people are just fucking shooting ropes over him. <laughs> like... There's nothing short of, like, jubilation. It's like, can we all just calm down, you know? Well, I'll put it to you this. Yeah. Do you think he's the best halfback Canberra's had since Ricky Stewart retired? Uh, I th- I think he is... Look, on, on three-game performance, I would take McFadden ahead of him. Really? Yeah. Seriously? Seriously, yeah. Um trying to think of other halfbacks they've had. They had uh, Lincoln Withers, but he he was a bit of a different halfback. Um, well, they had the other Pommy, Blake Austin. Oh, Blake Austin, yeah. Nah, he, he was shit. Um, Terry Campisi, obviously. Todd Carney. See, I think of them as 5'8s more than halfbacks. Well, Carney played almost 40 games at 7. How many Bro- did he play at 5'8 for them, though? Uh, Todd Carney, 19 less. Wow. See, I I just think of him as a 5'8". So, yeah, I'd take Todd Carney ahead of him, for sure, definitely. Mark McClendon? McClendon. See, I think of him as a 5'8 as well. Okay. How many halfback half games? Brad Drew. Brad Drew. Yeah, I'd take Brad Drew ahead of him. Brad Drew was more of a hooker, though. Uh, Mark McClendon, where was he? There he is. He played 53 games at 5.8 and 35 at halfback. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Wow, if, I felt like he played longer than that for the Raiders. Who else we've got here? Um, that's, that's it for the players who have played more than 20 games at halfback for the Raiders. There you go. Which says to me that there's a fair chance he's, he's right up there, alongside the likes of Sam Williams, Aiden Caesar. Yeah, well, and, and Josh McCrone. You know, it's, it's not a real high list. To, yeah. it's, you're not vaulting into some, you know, rarefied air or anything. No. So. I, I think, yeah, I'm pretty I'm comfortable with who I named, Dan. I'm McFadden, I would definitely take McFadden ahead of him. McFadden was a good player, solid, solid halfback. I'd, I'd put Williams right up there. Who's Sam Williams? No. Oh, George Williams. Yeah. Okay. Our our boy. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the coxman. <laughs> Can we call him the coxman? I think, I think if we anyone, should. If anyone in the NRL deserves to be called the coxman, 
it's George Williams. He's the only one that needs that name. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So whenever we're talking about George Williams, hashtag the Coxman. Yes. Has to have the in it, though. The Coxman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got one more stat. Okay, hit me with it. Okay. Ruben Garrick missed more points from failed conversion attempts this, tonight than both the 1999 Grand Finals have scored this week. Oh, wow. That's pretty interesting. Because he missed 10 points. Yeah. And Melbourne and the Dragons combined scored six. Wow. It's kind of sad for those teams, hey? (laughs) Who gives a shit? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's my violin you can't hear right now. Yeah, exactly. All right, so what else have we got to talk about? Well, there's been a development with the uh, New South Wales government and the upgrade of uh, ANZ Stadium, which is otherwise known as Homebush Stadium or the Olympic Stadium. That's where we play the grand final every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New South Wales government have cancelled plans to upgrade that stadium. I think it was an $800 million upgrade they were going to do to the stadium. Um, and now that those plans are cancelled, the NRL is now threatening to move the grand final interstate unless the New South Wales government provides upgrades to suburban grounds, which would be like to basically, you know, ripping them down and rebuilding them. So the NRL is looking to target having a stadium in the southern area of uh, Sydney, which would cater to the St. George Illawarra Dragons, as well as the Cronulla Sharks and maybe even the Canterbury Bulldogs but that's a little bit up in the air, the Bulldogs one. Um, they would want a brand-new stadium in Campbelltown. They would want a brand-new stadium uh, that would be for the Penrith Panthers at Penrith, and they would want a new stadium on the North Shore that would be used by the Manly Seagulls. Um, these stadiums are supposed to be around the 20,000-seat range, and it's a it's a bit of a change of tact, I think, and... You know, it's something that I could see happening. I've said that I think that Penrith will be the next team that gets a new stadium just because I think Penrith City Council will want to come to the table in that regard. Um, they already moved the trotting track to get use of some land that was the trotting track was using. So that area of Penrith is being developed anyway. And I can see the Penrith City Council jumping on board. The Panthers are obviously a massive influence in Penrith. And so I think they'll get the next stadium. But it's interesting that the NRL has changed their tact on this. What do you think about it? Um, it all sounds good in theory. Yeah. My question is, how much money does the NRL think that the New South Wales state government has? Well, he, well here's the thing, right? It, it's hard to justify building a new stadium right now. But I think the idea is that you wait a couple of years and then you start pushing this, you know, this agenda with the New South Wales government. Um, I don't mind it because I think for the massive games that we have, ANZ Stadium does the job for State of Origin or Grand Finals. Where it doesn't do the job is when you start to get to crowds probably below 50,000, 40,000. Then it starts to be not a real good venue. But now that we have Parramatta Stadium for those games... Or we can even use the upgraded um, Sydney Football Stadium, which will have, I think, a capacity of about 40,000 from memory, 50,000 maybe even. We're going to have the stadium infrastructure that we need 
for the game in the immediate future and for you know these suburban grounds for the long-term future it would really be great for the game um and i still think the olympic stadium is going to get torn down and rebuilt in the next 10 years anyway despite this i've 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 always been pretty open to the idea that we have three or four venues and that all the Sydney teams just play out of them because to me especially if you make them decent venues then that makes sense Mm um being historian obviously i love all of the old grounds but if you're being realistic you can't be playing at those anymore. They're just yeah. not good enough. Yeah. Um, I think the main thing is going to be where you're going to put the one in the south. And I think they, they probably need to look at somewhere not too far south. You, you still want it to be reasonably accessible to people in the CBD. So I wouldn't be having it past Hurstville. I'd be having it north of Hurstville. See, I, I don't really know that area of Sydney well at all. Like, I've, I've only been there a few times my whole life. Um, I know that going to Cogra Oval, it was rotten to get to, um, and the parking was fucking outrageous. It was just so dumb. I couldn't, and I was going. You got to keep in mind, I'm going for Canterbury Cup games. I can't imagine what it's like for an NRL match. Um, you know, the Sydney Football Stadium upgrade, I think, is a bit of a waste, but it's going to be there. That's already happening right now, so might as well use that. I think South should move back there. Um, but I think that I could also see the likes of, I mean, Parramatta, obviously, but I could see the likes of the Bulldogs, even South Sydney. I could see a lot of them teams deciding to make Par- Parramatta Stadium their new home because once you've been there and you you understand what a good ground it is and how modern it is and how nice it is to be there as a fan it's just hard to go back to anything else from that yeah absolutely um no that's that's definitely good for some um moving forwards i guess yeah i I guess the only thing that it, it would probably be the the end of leichardt oval what would you think of that well obviously love leichardt but at the end of the day, they do have one grandstand which is condemned because of white ants. Yeah. Um, the chances of ever upgrading like that, I know a lot of people think it's something that's going to happen one day, but if it hasn't happened in the last 90 years, <laughs> it's hard to think it's going to happen anytime soon. And it's going to cost so much money to upgrade that. Um, I mean, first of all, you've got to make the ground square or rectangular, sorry. Yeah because it just isn't it's not oval either it's just a weird sort of like a like a uk sports ground you can't yeah. put a running track around it you can't put a an oval sport on there it's, it's not the right sort of shape for a cricket and it's not quite rectangular either it's just this weird block of land they've gone quick put a fence around it we'll just play sport there and that's yeah, pretty they, much what it is they kind of at one point they just got to a point where it's like yeah we could put some lines down here and play footy on it yeah, um, iconic venue, but I can't see any government giving enough funding or council, for that matter, enough funding to that venue to make it immensely better than what it is at the moment. I I also think that if because it is, um, you know, it, it's a traditional sort of ground, like part of the the thing of 
going to a ground like that is that it is what it is. And I think if you did in some miracle world get a chance to build Eve, and it would only be a small one, it'd have to be something like 15,000, you know, seat stadium or something like that. I think it would just completely destroy what people like about Leichhardt Oval. Yeah, you couldn't put an actual stadium there. You could only have stadium seating on two, maybe three ends. I think the, the tree might get in the way at the back end. Yeah, exactly. And and then like and, and like then you're spending all this money for to what end? To still have this stadium that's a bit of a mishmash of all sorts of things that I still think people would blow up about it, you know? I know the yeah. locals will blow up about it. Yeah. Um, they, they blow up any time somebody wants to fucking put up a pagola. That's right. This is the thing, too. Is there's there's an awful lot of diehard Bowman fans who would hate to see Leichhardt not being used anymore. Mm. And obviously, I'm, I'm one of those former diehard Bowman fans. But if you look at this logistically, the only place that the West Tigers should be playing out of on a regular basis, if they're serious about their future, is Campbelltown. Yeah. Or if not Campbelltown, somewhere between Balmain and Campbelltown, but in that going in the region and closer to Campbelltown. As I said before on the, on the podcast, Liverpool's another option they could go to. Mm. But it's got to be on the western side of Sydney, not Balmain. And they need to have a venue. Pick one, just one, not 39, <laughs> one, and play your home games there. Stop moving around everywhere. It's just like freaking traveling gypsies. It makes it so hard for your fans because they're all chasing you all over the country and they can't all go to the one game. You get one venue. Everyone can get used to a routine of going to one venue all the time to watch your team play at home. But at the moment, we've got Bankwest, we've got Leica, we've got Campbelltown, you know, throwing other games elsewhere. It makes it hard to sell the big ticket memberships. Yeah. When you've got to travel all around the bloody Sydney to get get to home games to get value out of it. It's just stupid. Exactly. And, I mean, even if they don't just rebuild the current Campbelltown Stadium, like I, I'm a big believer in, and that whole area is going to be massive mm. in the next 20 years. I mean, it's a real opportunity, and there's no team that is better suited to take advantage of that and make a, a giant chunk of Sydney their own, which... Really, I mean, only Penrith has something like that going for it, really, where it's got this whole giant area to itself that's rugby league mad. Um, I, I don't even have a problem with if they don't use Campbelltown Stadium, but they find a place that is better suited in terms of transport or, you know, wherever it's going to be. But that's that southern sort of corridor in the MacArthur region, um, they can make it their own and they put that stadium in a nice place with all the right transport links and stuff. Man, it would be amazing for the club. But, uh, you know, I think the the days of them really holding on to those links in, in the Balmain area, I mean, they're going to have financial links there. But I, I think that if you want to service those fans... You can you can do it playing at Parramatta, or, or you can do it more playing at the Sydney Football Stadium. And if they're not going to turn up to those venues, then stop servicing them because they're not that fucking keen to go and see you if they're not going to drive, you know, that short distance. Yeah. No, they, they do need to start picking pick one venue and stick with it. Um, and it's got to be one that's Western Sydney. Mm-hmm. So, 
who knows? Maybe playing playing a heap of regular games at Campbelltown this year might be enough to entice the uh, the MacArthur Council to go. You know what? Let's go all in and, and upgrade this stadium now. And when I say upgrade, I mean build it, make it look unbelievable. Mm. Like you should be looking at the Bankwest Stadium and going, we need to get something very similar to that and build that where you got the current one because it's right next door to, is it, I can't remember, is it Lamia Station? Oh, shit, I don't know. It's, it's, I only just drive there. <laughs> it's, got a, it's got a train station right outside the bloody gates there. Oh, it's really? a perfect location. And you've got the Lynx Club straight out straight outside the door there. Yeah, they need more parking, though, just letting them know. Well, um, every, every ground does. <laughs> no, it's so it's so fucking weird. So remember that article? Oh, they should have tailgating at NRL games. Like, can we just have somewhere to park the fucking car first? Um, yeah, have tailgating for the six cars that can, can get into a car park somewhere. Yeah, it's, Jesus let's Christ. tailgate around Leichhardt Oval <laughs> while we're getting fucking tickets um, yeah, at the front of someone's house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think about having a stadium in the southern um, area of Sydney? Uh, that is joint like jointly hosts uh, dragons and sharks games. I'm I don't see the value in it. Like if you can't get at least three teams to it, I can't see the value in it. And I I would guess that's why they kind of would like the bulldogs to use it, but I feel like they'd have to take it too far west if the bulldogs were gonna. Well, if you can get you know, it somewhere. Around Hurstville, at the, at the most southernmost point, mm. but somewhere a little bit north of there, and getting between Newtown and Hurstville region, mm-hmm. then that's going to be, I think, close enough to Bulldogs area for them to be able to access it. But if you go further south of Hurstville from there, it's just going to be a pain in the ass for Bulldogs fans. I'll just go, why don't we just go to Bankwest instead? Yeah, and look, I think that, look, if I was a Bulldogs fan, I'd want to go to Bankwest. Yeah. Uh, personally, um, it's not that far from their current stadium. I think that they'd be able to get a really, really, really good atmosphere at the ground. Um, and I would try and shake things up. I mean, Bankwest Stadium has the ability to have standing seating on the ends for it because they set it up so they could do it for the soccer. If I was the Bulldogs, I would try and aim for one standing end um, for the games just to try and mix it up from the Parramatta games. Um I feel as though stadium, if they did get one in the southern area, and it reminds me a little bit of the um, Wakefield and, and Castleford thing in um, in England, where it's like, yeah, you're rivals, but you'd get so much out of sharing a stadium. And that, look, they're very close to one another. They're not that far from one another. But I do feel as though the Dragons would be like, we're not fucking signing off on anything that isn't built in our area. Because if it's not in our area, we just won't play there. We'll go to yeah. the Sydney Football Stadium. Because I think the Dragons could play at the Sydney Football Stadium and get good crowds there because their their supporter base is pretty good. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't be surprised if they could do that either. Um, yeah, I, I don't really see the value in putting a stadium in the south, especially when one club already owns their stadium down there. I mean, it may not be world-class and hold a huge you know, huge crowds and stuff like that, but Shark Park is owned by the Sharks. Um, so I don't, I don't really see the value in putting one down there. Probably try and upgrade that stadium if possible, but there's no chance that the Dragons would play out of it. 
No, so you'd probably have to get the Dragons to just go to the Sydney Football Stadium instead. Or, yeah, no, that's probably the only option. There's no point having them at Wollongong. Um, well, what if they? What if the New South Wales government said we're not make we're not building this stadium that you want in the south, but what we will do is we will upgrade Wollongong Stadium, but the Dragons have to play their Sydney games at the SFS and nowhere else, and they have to lock into a ten year contract to do that. But like, and I'm talking a fifty fifty split. You play it at, at half your games at the SFS, half your games at your new Wollongong, and it's not a new Wollongong Stadium; it's just a an upgraded Wollongong Stadium. Mm, I don't know, because if I'm the Dragons, I don't mind that because no one else is going to use Wollongong Stadium except the Dragons. And I, as I said, I think they, I think the Dragons are one of the few teams that could go to the Sydney Football Stadium and say, "Hey, we're a Sydney team," and it would actually work. And not change their name or anything. It's just, you know, they, they've got that sort of following. Um, and I also think the fact that it would mean that the the Sharks will forever be stuck at Shark Park, there's that factor into it as well. Yeah. Uh, South area is tricky. Because yeah. there's just not enough teams that service that area to justify having a stadium there. Yeah. So. And given that sharks are own, own their own, you're pretty much just you're pretty much just trying to do something to service the dragons more than anything. If if they can go to the Sydney Football Stadium, then they should just do that. Now looking north, right? Mm. Manly's the only team we've got on the North Shore, and you obviously building a stadium where the current Manly Stadium is would be utter fucking madness. Yeah. Um. You and I have talked about it would be great if the Manly Seagulls service the whole North Shore of Sydney. Mm-hmm. And if they had a bre- if they built a brand new stadium that was close to road links, close to close to public transport and just was in the perfect ideal location on the North Shore that could also, you know, have an A League team playing out of it, which I'm sure the A League would love that. Um, that would be the ideal scenario, but how do you convince Manly to not be smack bang in the middle of Manly? I think you say to them, look, we're going to build a 20,000-seat stadium on the side of what used to be North Sydney Oval. You can use it um, for free or you can keep playing on that dog shit, asbestos riddled shithole that you've got at the moment at Brookvale. And Do you think it's that good? There. I've been there twice and I really regretted going there the second time. <laughs> and it's not even to do with how I feel about Manly. I just think it is... It's just a garbage venue. Yeah, it really is. Like, when you're um, there, you're kind of like, I can't believe we're doing this still. Yeah, and the, furthermore, you look at it and you go on, governments have spent lots of money upgrading that more than once. Mm. What did they spend the money on? Pies? Yeah, I, I agree. Like, Where I remember it? when they put in the, I think it's called the Bob Fulton stand, and they made a big song and dance about it. It's a long time ago now, I guess, but... I made a big song and dance about it. It's like, is that it? Mm. I look at it and go, what have they been doing with the money? Mm. So, I don't know. Sorry, Manly fans. Um, you probably love your ground. But, um, you know, I've been willing to, to ditch like that oval. So don't be expecting any sympathy from me if I'm telling you to ditch your ground for North Sydney Oval. (laughs) You know what? I wonder if North Sydney Oval is heritage listed these days. It possibly, well, stands maybe. 
Yeah. But they've only got two stands, haven't they? You could leave them there and build brand new seating on the other side of it. But Change is, the shape of the ground to a, to a rectangle. I, I See, I feel as though if you even hinted at doing that, and look, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, right? But I think if you hinted at that, you would have a fucking lot of people that would say, hang on a second, this is one of the last traditional uh, like venues that you could have in Sydney that is, uh, you know, it's it's obviously not a modern facility, right? But there's still, it, it's kind of like Henson Park, where it's like there's something that you can have here which is a little bit special that we shouldn't get rid of. Mm-hmm. And I could see where no politician is going to say, yeah, fucking tear up the fucking fig tree and let's do this shit. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a tricky one. Yeah. Because obviously Central Coast is just up the road as well. And Manly probably want to go to the Central Coast more than North Sydney. Well, what, but... if, what if the NRL goes to Manly and says, we want to buy a license and then they can do whatever the fuck they want with that team. And they end up calling them North Sydney. the North Sydney and they name them after some sort of large carnival. Um, um, calm down, but, Greg Florimo. Somewhere Greg Florimo's turning in his bed going, fucking what? Do I have to be on TV somewhere? Um, and the Central Coast is a dead duck. There's never going to be an NRL team on the Central Coast ever, 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 ever. No. But I could see where the NRL decides to take the Manly Seagulls license back, even call them the Manly Seagulls again, and says, we're gonna, this is going to be a whole north of Sydney team, a northern region team, and uh, they're going to play out at this brand new stadium. Call them the Northern Beaches Sea Bears. The Sea Bears. <laughs> that would be great, the Sea Bears. <laughs> That would go down well, or the Bear Eagles. The Bear Eagles? <laughs> oh, Jesus. The Bear Eagles. Man, you're coming up with some gold ones. I'm trying to think of some, but the Bear Eagles is maybe the best one. The Northern Bear Eagles. I think that's the way to go. Yeah. I'm in on the Northern Bear Eagles. There we go. See? We've solved that problem. Yeah. Sorted that out. That was easy. We fixed stuff here. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, on top of that, about seven years from now, we tear down ANZ Stadium. We build a rectangular, indoor, 80,000-seat stadium that Sydney deserves. Because if Perth can have a big stadium, fucking Sydney can as well. Exactly. I mean, Perth is a fucking outpost. (laughs) It is. It's the most isolated major city in the whole world. Yeah. No, that's that's fair enough. I can. Yeah. Should we have it one seat more than the MCG? Just so that every year when you have your grand final, the NRL grand final just has one person more than the AFL grand final. Look, it would be funny, <laughs> but that should be the basis for every ground that gets built. Is what's going to be funniest? That would be. You know what I was thinking today? I was. Uh, you know how we talked about. Um, we would do a, an episode where it was a bit of like a what if, and mm-hmm. it was like what if things changed and stuff. And then I was thinking about like if you had have even said in March that 
you know, at the start of May, we're going to be playing games in six venues in the whole of Australia, and there are going to be no fans there, but people will pay 25 bucks to have a picture of themselves put on a bit of cardboard that will be sat in a stand. People would think you were absolutely crazy, right? Yeah. And it made me think about, like, how crazy will we get? Like, will these will these cardboard cutout fans just be a regular thing at grounds? Because I could think of worse ways to sell something online as a club. And you think of how many teams have, like, nobody sitting behind the goalposts. Maybe this might become a regular thing that we just, like, we I'm don't sh- think about. I'm sure, I'm sure the Gold Coast Titans and they're going, this is a great idea. Yeah. Like, we can't sell memberships, but maybe we can just sell the fact that we've got shit crowds and just say to people, you can help us out by buying a cardboard cut out of yourself for 20 bucks, and we'll leave it there for the entire year. Yeah, like, so I think... I think I would do if if say Penrith did something like that, I'd pay fifty bucks for a cardboard cutout for a year. Why not? Absolutely. And look, on the, even on the idea that if they sell out a game, your cardboard cutout gets taken out the back and is sat down in the pile. Like they can sell my seat, but if the seat is there empty, my cardboard cutout's going to be there too. Yeah, it's a way of getting more than capacity for your crowd because you've already got been paid. You know, you're, you're selling one seat twice in some cases. Yeah, exactly. I don't and know so, who came up with this idea, but it's brilliant. I, it, look, it's a really good idea. But it, it's funny how, like, something that if somebody had suggested it three months ago, you would have said, you're a fucking... What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, you're on some of that sherry shit. Yeah. Like, now... It might be just something that we're used to, like you go to a stand, you go to a game, and you know when it's getting close to capacity, you might be sitting in the same rows, like two hundred and fifty cardboard cutouts of you know Joseph Goebbels and me, Anne, fucking Anne Frank, and you know Gandhi and people like that. It'd be weird. Well, I'm sure that those there'd be checks and balances. Like, they're not going to let the people from the Matty John Sunday show design who's going to go in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't let anybody that's doing the Matty John show do anything, really. No, no, no. It's it's bad enough they've got a camera and an audience. Hey, did um, you watch any of the footy shows or any of the intros or outros for any of the footy? No. I watched... I didn't watch the footy show. The only I thing... I haven't watched... I'll be honest. I haven't watched a footy show for at least a decade. You're not what you're not missing anything. Um, I did watch the uh, pregame and stuff on Fox Sports today, and they had uh, Ben Icon on. And man, I wish that I had a dollar for every time that Ben Icon talked himself into one idea, and then five <laughs> minutes later talked himself against <laughs> the idea. <laughs> it was oh. great. It was fucking entertaining. And look, I'm not even bagging him because you got to be on for that many hours. Talking about footy and some of these games, you know, there's not much you can say about them. You're just going to talk yourself in circles. Fucker, you did a good job of that today. He's the best. He's really good. God, God bless you, Ben. You need yeah. to eat a bit more. I think he's lost a bit too much weight, but I got, I got no, I got no problems with him. And Braith and Nasta. Let me tell you, some fucking good stand-up comedy. Oh, but he's, he's the best. He doesn't even know it. The subtlety. 
that he uses. Like he, and, he makes you think he believes this stuff. Yeah, and the timing. Oh, it's impeccable. He always picks the right times, mate. He's just he's an absolute genius at it. He doesn't even realise it. Um, Nathan Highmarsh offers the same amount of insight as a brick. Yeah, <laughs> like I know he's loved, but I like, come on, man. Yeah, just stick to being the the laughing stock on Matty Johns's mob. You do that job well, oh, straight man. It's kind of sad, isn't it? It is. Um, and Michael Emerson, Michael Ennis on commentary. Oh, mate, when something good happens, all he does is yell. <laughs> Yeah, I love his enthusiasm, but so uh, you don't and, need to yell so much, Mick. And listen, okay, I fuck it, I'm going to say it. People in Northern England don't give a fuck about people in Huddersfield or fucking Wakefield or fucking Halifax in particular. So if you're a commentator and you're giving shout outs to people in Halifax, no one else gives a fuck. Okay, <laughs> stop doing it. I don't. You might want some friends, but it ain't working. Okay. <laughs> Because no one in fucking Halifax can afford a TV. I know it. I've been there. You don't need friends in Halifax. Haven't they got the wireless there? Uh, they, they don't have anything worthwhile. They changed their team's name to the Blue Sox at one point. They don't deserve shout-outs. Okay? Yeah, but in, in, in their defence... No, they saw the they no, saw the error of their no. ways and they stopped calling them blue socks. Yeah, and who gave a fuck? No one. They still <laughs> died. It's it's that shit needs to stop. Okay, it's just a it bit of comedy. Shit. It's not fucking comedy. What if Braith and Asta said it? Well, Braith and Asta would make it funny. <laughs> okay, Braith and Asta would make it really funny. But yeah. Can you imagine if Braith and Nasta just started giving shout-outs to places in Greece? That would be fucking funny. That would be genius. You don't give shout-outs to people in fucking Halifax, all right? And where have we shouted out that's, you know... Tamworth? That's not a shout-out. That's a warning. That's a warning to anybody that wants to go anywhere good and decent and exciting and wonderful that you want to go back to again. Don't go to fucking Tamworth. Well, it can't be that bad because the Warriors went there and they came away with a win. Yeah, because they're no, they're fucking happy because they're no longer in fucking Tamworth. That's why. They went from Tamworth to Narrabeen. Can you imagine what that upgrade was like for them? Oh, uh, dear. I, I, feel, I feel conflicted right now because oh. you've walked down the garden path and I don't know whether I should... Just let you keep walking down there, whether I should shut the gate and say, come back. Why? If this is somewhere you think I should go. <laughs> is, there, is there something you think I need to talk about? No, no, no. I just think you've, you've headed down there. Yeah. I don't know whether to rein you in or whether I thought you keep going. I think, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. You're good. Okay. Yeah. That's good. I mean, right. there's nothing that would make you want to just bash another bunch of grown men for two fucking hours than having to stay for two weeks in Tamworth, eh? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Like, they stayed in Tamworth for two weeks. I was so fucking bored 
that they they completed 94% of their sets of six. <laughs> They're so fucking brain dead after being there. It's they was, like... They were so no bored. It's no nothing. They were so bored they watched St. George Illawarra Dragons games. Yeah. And devised game plans to beat them. <laughs> That's how bored they were. They sat through them and stayed awake. There's something in it. I'm telling you. You, you take your team out of Auckland, you know, which they call the... Uh, Jewel of the North Island of New Zealand. I don't know what they call it. Who gives a fuck what they call it? But I have heard it being called the Brisbane of New Zealand. I went, that's, not a, that's not very nice. <laughs> New Zealand. That's fucking hilarious. Corey, by the way, can we say, let's just fucking trash the third biggest city in Australia. There's not much to do in fucking Brisbane other than go to a Broncos game or a State of Origin match. Or defecate in the river. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Like that's what the, everyone else does. Got, I mean, how does it get that colour? It's like, oh, you should check out South Bank. It's like, it's like a fake. <laughs> you know, I'm not impressed. This is yeah. what we call local markets. <laughs> so we just go to the shops. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they, they, we've got live music down there. Yeah, so does every fucking pub in Sydney. Calm down. Well, that's when they're open. Well, yeah, and they used to be open, yeah. Wow, we've we've really trashed a lot of places. Yeah. Is there anywhere you don't like? Or do like? Or do you oh, you don't like big cities, do you? No, no, no. That's why I live in them. <laughs> you just every every single day you wake up and hate fuck yourself in the city, don't <laughs> That's what I walk around and go, This place is fucked. Yeah. So why don't you move? No, nope, don't want to. <laughs> you're the you're the second angriest person in existence in Australia outside of uh, the fucking UTI pirate who just wakes up every day and says, I'm "Gonna watch another fucking game of rugby league and I fucking hate it. I better write about it." <laughs> well, that and Mark Latham. Yeah, Mark, he's, he's pretty Mark, angry. Yeah, he he. There's a lot of things Mark Latham doesn't like. Um, who do you reckon is the angriest person in Australia? Oh. Pauline Hanson. She's fucking angry. Yeah, she is a bit cranky. Yeah. That's uh, that's probably it's probably a politician somewhere. It'd be one of those two. Yeah. They're a bit loopy. They really are. Crazy arseholes. Yeah. Um well, well not to say we haven't gone off on a tangent, I don't think we have. No, no, um, this has all been on, on point. Exactly. All right, let me just hang on, let me look at the script. Bag Tamworth, attack politicians. Yeah, we're on script. Okay. When do we start doing scripts? Oh, we've been doing that the whole time. None, none of this is off the cuff. Ah, oh, that's all right. I, um, I'm actually reading the script as like as we do this. Is the bit where I ask you if we add any emails next? Uh, I'm supposed to. Hang on, let me read this. Um, feign surprise, pretend to look at the emails. We actually did. Hang on. Then I've got to go here. It says, and finger my laptop. We actually had an email. Hang on. Finger's sweating, so it's not letting me log in. <laughs> oh, shit. My fucking, uh, ah, hang on. Authorization. Hang on. I think it just turned off authorization on my computer. Oh, hello. You fucking... Any, any hackers out there? Hang on, hang on. League Freak is now accessible. Hang on. 
Okay, I turned it back on. Oh. Hang on. That, that window is now closed. Okay, open it up. Yep. Yeah, I, I was finding it hard to finger my keyboard because my finger was um was sweaty. So we had that can a... Happen. What's that? That can happen. Yeah, sometimes that happens. Um, we had one from PK again. No. Um, okay, so I, th- I think this was... I don't know if this was meant for the podcast, but he... Uh, We're about to find out. Yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> he said... Uh, Okay, he's like he says just quickly. I couldn't believe the article over the weekend in the Sydney Morning Herald by Hugh Skid Marks, uh, and he said, "Why do people watch rugby league?" Mar- Marks asks after securing an es- estimated seventy million dollars in saving over the next three years for Channel Nine. Uh, Marks is the CEO of Channel Nine. He said, "Can uh, anyway?" PK, PK says, "Can someone explain to me?" Why that with two and a half years left on the contract with nine, which is plenty of time to settle back into the normal game, we decided to renegotiate for unders in this dire financial time for the game, other than to please the mainstream media and Channel Nine. Heard any circumstance? Uh, heard any criticism slash critique yet since it been signed off on Thursday? Timing was suspect as well, just before the first game back, trying to hide bad news possibly. Um, and then I think this is from Hugh Marks again. It's a quote that says, because they want to watch Parramatta play the Bulldogs, that tribalism of the game is actually a strength. How do you enhance tribalism? You enhance it by empowering the clubs to do more. If money is going to things like administration or the bunker or integrity units or multiple referees or a digital platform, money isn't going to clubs. And then PK said, I could go on all day, but I would love for you guys to just rip into it. They don't even hide it now. It's just sad for the game. And he says, cheers. Right. Well, first thing we've got to remember is Hume Marks um, has never had a single thing to do with rugby league other than trying to fuck it over so he could save money for his business. Um, Secondly, why do clubs need more money when they're already getting every player's salary paid and getting a $3 million grant on top of it? They don't need more money. So all those other things that he mentioned that doesn't get money needs that money. Mm-hmm. Um, but why would, you noting, spend, well, why would you spend money on things like an administration or an integrity unit? I mean, why would you do that, Andrew? Yeah. Um, it's also worth noting here, whenever you see comments by Hugh Marsh, you need to tell yourself, first and foremost, before you read anything, this bloke's a fucking idiot. Yes. And then you read it. Yes. That way you, you, you're balanced. That's the best way to deal with that. Yeah. Keep in mind, whenever you're listening to somebody uh, from Channel 9 who would preferably pay the game no money whatsoever to show the game, you just write off anything they say. Yeah. Anything at all. Um, we could probably say allegedly on there. Allegedly, uh, yes. That's a good point. But they would. If, if you went to Hugh Marks and said, listen, the game of rugby league needs money to survive, uh, but we will give it to you for free, you wouldn't even get to answer the sentence. He'd be signing a bit of paper that says, yeah, we'll take it for free. I'd still shit on it so that he'd try and get the game to try and pay him money. Probably. Yeah. I've got to get a better deal. Yeah. But, the, you know, the attack on uh, 
the NRL digital. It's they're still going for it, man. Mm-hmm. They're still going after it, and the only reason they're going after it is because it's good, and they don't like it, and they it's will destroy anything good in rugby league if it saves them a dollar. Yep, it's better than anything they've got. You know, and this thing about tribalism, which is a load of fucking shit, and I say that as somebody that is the fan of a Sydney club, it's like shove your shot tribalism up your ass. We've got to take this game to as many new places as possible. This game needs to be a, a national competition finally, and from there it needs to expand internationally. Um, the best things that have ever happened in rugby league are from expansion. You know, w- tribalism. Is he talking about the Brisbane Broncos? Is he talking about the Newcastle Knights? Is he talking about the Canberra Raiders? Because once upon a time, they didn't. They weren't part of the National Rugby League. You know, you go far enough back, you didn't have Cronulla either, or the Panthers, or the Eels, or the Bulldogs. <laughs> if we talk about tribalism and you look at the original nine teams that came into the comp, only two of them still play. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so this tribalism shit, you know all it is is a way to get the clubs on side. Yeah, and that's all they're doing. Is he's getting clubs on side because the clubs are more than happy to, you know, sling shit, I guess, at the NRL. Because mm-hmm. the NRL needs the clubs. And the NRL has shown before that, you know, when the clubs are up shit creek, that they will throw more money at them to try and help them out. And so mm-hmm. clubs have never been held responsible for their own inaction. It'll just continue to happen. doesn't matter who the boss is. No, won't at all. And, you know, they talk about all this wasted money. How many of these clubs are still paying millions of dollars to coaches that they've had to sack or players that they've had to move to other clubs who still eat up their salary cap space while they're all driving free cars that they, they negotiated through the club on their own behalf? You know, the biggest wasters in rugby league have always been national rugby league clubs. Or clubs Going back are still to... paying fines for, you know, breaching salary cap and breaching other rules and breaching this and breaching that. Yep. Clubs that couldn't afford to pay the fines for breaching the salary cap rules. Club, you know, clubs that said, oh, yeah, you caught us breaching the salary cap, but if you whack us like you whacked other teams, we will have to hand our license back. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that was a good email. Yeah, I think we gave PK what he was looking for. I think so. <laughs> Can't be disappointed with that. Yeah. Um, Can, I give no Can I give a shout out? Absolutely. Okay. The starting block. They changed their time to uh, Fridays. They're now competing with the rugby league. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been rough for them, hang I on, heard. Hang on. They're <laughs> not competing with the rugby league. They're competing with the Broncos. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. But let's be honest. The Sydney audience are going to go in droves at the starting block. Yeah, and they should do. Because the starting block is good entertainment. Um, they've got 15% of sports coverage in their sports show, which I like that ratio. Rather well, jacked and, it up a bit. Yeah, yeah. They they started to move more towards sport. And so, yeah, I just want everyone to go and go and visit the starting block. You drop the K at the end, follow I like, them, I like watch the their shows. They, watch their I, like the, I like the fact that they chose to focus more heavily on sport at a time when sport is not being played at all. Yeah. That's genius. It really was, and uh, that's why they're the number one podcast in all of the world, and while we're just sitting there way down at the bottom of the heap, going, "How do you get to be that good?" Of all of the personal journal podcasts I listen to, all of them are the starting block. 
<laughs> I agree. They are the best personal journals podcast you'll ever find anywhere, ever. And Greeno and Boogie Bumper, they're both former guests on this show. They're both very good friends of ours. And, uh, yeah, we're just it's been a while since we did a shout-out for them, and I thought it was time we did another one. Agreed. And we should try and work sometime this year to either have both of them on our show or both of us on theirs. 100%. We need to do a, a cross-cast or whatever you'd call it. What would you call it? A, um, a four-way. A four-way, yeah. <laughs> you know what? If we get a couple more in, we'd just call it a um, Crown Sharks preseason. Or a Bulldogs one. Jesus, Andrew. That's that's uncalled for, Andrew. Why would you say something like that about a team like the Bulldogs? Who went there? <laughs> that wasn't me. Oh, but I'm being factual here. Ah <laughs> oh dear, well, that's a uh... Tell you what, this has been a mighty episode Yeah, I wonder if anyone's left We've we've been analytical Yep And brilliant mm-hmm. And then we've been Other <laughs> <laughs> Other <laughs> That's fantastic, alrighty um, Did you, people... Were you going to say we've got a, a review? A review? No, I said we didn't have any more reviews. Oh, okay. Yeah. Come on, people. Man. We only get like one a month now. It would be really nice if somebody just wrote a really nice review on uh, Apple Podcasts for us. Yeah. It'd be really nice. Give five stars. Yeah. That sort of thing. It'd be lovely. Yeah. It gets a bit, gets a bit lonely here doing podcasting and no one gives you any love back. Yeah. Yeah. Um. People, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on LinkedIn. Um, we need to find some more social media accounts really to get ourselves on there just for the hell of it. Um, we're also on YouTube. Check us out over there. We've even got all the episodes in playlists over there. So if you just want to listen to the history ones, you can go over there and check out the history, you know, history playlist and just listen to all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Probably even going to start working on having some um, some live shows coming up soon. Yeah, it'll be fun. We'll. Uh, that's why you've got to go to the YouTube page, subscribe, and then click the little bell so yeah. that if we go on, you'll get the little thing come up and it'll say, Fergo and the Freak is live, and then you'll be able to watch us live. It'll be good. Yeah, it'll be fantastic. So get in there, do that. And um, if you want to be like, was it PK? You can drop us an email. At podcast at leaguefreak.com. It's that easy. And we'll read them out. Um, and as always, if you leave us a good review, we'll put it up on the website and give you a plug everywhere and talk about how great you are. Yeah. We're... And what could you want? I suppose that wraps it up. Yeah, pretty much. We uh, hope you have a good week if you're listening to this in your car or when you're jogging or when you're putting in the hard yards isolating isolating matter of fact i've got one now <laughs> oh, fucking jesus <laughs> put that away there we go and uh one other thing just quickly we are looking at having one of us and one of those cardboard cutout things at one of the games mm. yeah i think we know which one of us it'll be yeah yeah so uh keep an eye out for that It's going to be fun. It will. Um, Thanks for tuning in, everyone.
catch you all next time.